Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. First of all, I wanted to tell you about a bit of a weird experience that I had this week. So I sat at my breakfast table. It was Friday morning, and it was um, it, it was a busy morning. Zoe was away. I had the two kids. We were having breakfast. I was like, oh, okay, lots to do. Let's get them to work. Uh, to work? Let's not get them to work. Let's get them to school quicker. I definitely don't want them at my work. Um, if I could get them to school, that'd be better. And someone knocked at the door. I was like, ah, oh, do I answer it? Do I not answer it? And I decided, okay, okay, I should answer it. It's rude not to, isn't it? We're new in the neighborhood. We don't want to be offensive. So I answered the door. And standing there was someone in bright, shining clothes. A really big person. And he had a badge on. And his name was Gabriel. And I was like, I must have looked a little bit scared. Because he said, oh, don't be afraid. Uh, I bring some good news to you. We've all got the link as to who I'm talking about. He said to me, it's your lucky day. God has looked upon you favorably, and he's going to answer all of your prayers for the last 48 hours, every single one of them. And I thought, come on, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Doesn't like me, that one, does it? Um, I'll stop moving around. But then I thought a little bit deeper, and I thought, well, what have I prayed for over the last 48 hours? I might get a nice parking spot on the way. I might, um... But my provocation in that is, what am I praying for? What are the things that I am praying for? Am I, am I praying for the big things? Am I believing that God wants to answer my prayers? Am I believing actually, that I can pray for peace. I can pray for peace in this world. I can pray for peace in the Ukraine. I can pray. Am I believing that my prayers are effective? Or am I just praying for the little things? Or not praying at all, maybe. Maybe not even connecting with God. And prayer can have a kind of, that kind of story of prayer can have this kind of positive pull in for us. We can be like, yeah, I'm a prayer warrior. Or, or no, I, I'm, I'm a bit I'm not very good at connecting with God. I'm not very good at praying. I'm not very good at thinking about things to pray for. But James wants us to believe that our prayers are powerful and effective. That's what James wants us to believe. And I want to stir the faith in us today that our prayers are powerful and can transform situations. As I read through James this week, there's two things that stood out. One of them, while it is an incredibly provoking, challenging discipleship book, All the way through, he says, brothers and sisters. He addresses the church as brothers and sisters constantly. In chapter 5 alone, I think it's in there twice, brothers and sisters. This is an address to a family. Brothers and sisters, our Father in heaven has adopted us into one family. So while the the, uh, content might be challenging, it's done in love, it's done in grace, it's done in this expectancy that God wants us to be uh, shaped by him, our Father, He wants to speak into the family before us. And the second thing I noticed is this, that James doesn't want us to just reflect the world around us. He doesn't want us just to be like the world around us. And that that can come through a lot in the practical things that we talk about with our finances or actions or the way we love each other. But it can also come into prayer. 
because our prayer lives can be quite shaped by the world around us. You know, oh, I'm too busy. That's a common thing. I'm too busy to pray. Uh, it's not a priority. And, uh, and I, we are all busy in the West. Life is busy. It's demanding and finding time is challenging. But that can be one of the worldly kind of views, actually. I'm too busy to spend time with God. Uh, another thing could be what I said before. It, oh, my prayers don't really make a difference. God's in control. He's reigning and ruling anyway. So what's the point in me praying? Like, I'm just a little person. But that also is not the scriptural view of prayer. Let's read through this. Before, there's this great verse, uh, chapter, hmm, quote that I read by Karl Barth. And he says this, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. To clasp our hands in prayer is a beginning of an uprising. I want us to be stirred to believe that today. Let's read James 5, 13 to 20. So it says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover, them, cover over a multitude of sins." As we look through those verses, especially 13 to 18, every single one of them mentions prayer. It talks about prayer in every single verse. It talks about prayer. This is what this chapter is about. This is what James wants us to focus on. And I love the beginning of it. The beginning of it, where, God, where James says this, he says, is anyone among you in trouble? Is anyone among you happy? Is anyone among you sick? God loves to connect with us in whatever situation we're in. Sometimes we think about prayer as going to ask for things, and ask, but actually prayer is this love connection with God. It's that relationship with God and us building on that relationship with God. That's what prayer is. And he wants us to do it in every situation. So we talked about it being a family thing. As believers, we have been adopted into the family of God. The Bible says that he is our father and we are his children, his sons and his daughters. Now, what father doesn't love it when his child is sick and he comes in, that child, to the father's presence and asks, oh, can you help me? Can you be with me? What father doesn't take joy in the fact that the child comes in? What father doesn't take joy in the fact when, the, when a child is struggling or uh, not knowing what to do or crying or just kind of like overwhelmed? What father doesn't love it when the child comes to be close by them? The, the, the father, I know as a father, if Naomi, even if I don't have the answer, you know, I love it when Naomi comes to me if she's overwhelmed by something or Joshua, or, and they just want to be in your presence. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? That's the encouragement here from James. It's actually come and be in your father's presence, even if you're in trouble, even if you're overwhelmed, even if you don't know the answer, even if you, whatever it is, if you're struggling, 
Be in the Father's presence. That's what prayer is. It's this connecting with God. Equally, if you're happy, sometimes when you're happy and life is easy, you don't prioritize the Father's presence. But actually, the the encouragement here is to come and sing in the Father's presence because the Father loves it when you come and sing. And he says, sing a new song and be creative. In fact, in Zephaniah, it talks about the Father singing over us and dancing with us. And actually, I think as we enter God's presence in that way, not only are we dancing and happy and joy-filled, but actually the Father joins us in that. God, the Father, loves it when we communicate with him and spend time with him, whether that's singing or speaking or whatever it is, or even just listening to his voice. He loves it when we prioritize him. And that's the encouragement from James here. Let's prioritize the Father. Let's be his children. Let's spend every emotion with him when we're sick. I had a tooth out the other week and I felt rough for two weeks. It was disgusting. I'm not showing you my mouth, but it's now recovering. But, but I'd wake up in the night in pain. And, it, and, and in that time, you know, you don't really want to connect with God. But, but actually, I, I found some comfort in the fact that I was awake in pain, but I could say, okay, God, this is horrible. You know, like this is horrendous. Like, and I think God wants us to do that when we're sick as well, when we're, when we're really unwell, actually, and whether it's a long-term sickness or a short-term sickness. Just be in the Father's presence. He loves your presence. He loves you. He cherishes you. You are his dearly loved children. And he loves to lavish his love upon you as you meet with him. He loves to delight in you. Equally, we can, we can think of prayer as quite a unique kind of individualistic thing. That's another worldview that are the West. But I love it. In, and Jesus encourages us before he says this is what the Lord's Prayer is. He encourages us to go to our room to shut the door. But I also love it. There's different bits in the scripture where it says Jesus was alone and his disciples were with him. Have you ever noticed that? There are bits of scripture it says that. Jesus was alone, but his disciples were with him. Well, what, what is it? <laughs> like, like, which one is it? Is he alone or is he with But there's this aspect of community, and you get this all the way through James. If you're not part of a community, if you don't belong to a church community. What elders are you going to call in when you're sick to pray over you? James expects you to belong to a community where you have spiritual oversight, where those people can be called in to pray, not just calling a vicar, but someone that you truly trust, not, you know, not calling a parish vicar that you don't know, that you don't have a relationship with, but actually someone you have a relationship with. They know you, they know your family, they connect with you. He encourages us to be in community and do prayer life together as a community. Later on, it says, confess your sins to one another. Do we have people who know the depths of us? Not just the surface level stuff, but the deep stuff inside of us, the stuff we're struggling with, the stuff that we know that we've done wrong, the stuff that we, we you know, like the unforgiveness, the hatred, the, you know, the sexual uh, problems that we have, the, all sorts of things that are going on within us. Is there people around you that you're sharing that with? Or are you trying to be self-sufficient and do it on your own? I think as we come together as a body, we need to be discipling one another. We need to be sharing. And this is, this is almost what prayer is as well, you know, connecting with one another and connecting with a Father in heaven. Because when you confess your sins to one another, you get the release, the freedom, the healing, the power of God comes. I remember confessing my sins to someone once. I could really, I'm not going to share it publicly now, but I remember telling them, and I knew it was going to hurt them, but I confessed it to them. 
But the grace of the Lord fell in that moment. And actually, I knew freedom from it going forward. The Lord loves to give us freedom, but he does it with us in community. So my encouragement, if there's not people in here, if there's not people in your life that you're going deep with, there's a problem. It's problematic. I know that I pray best when I'm doing it with my brothers and sisters. Actually, there's this chapter in Acts 4 where the believers come together and they're praying with one another. And I read it like line on line. This person prays this, this person prays that. It doesn't say this. This is my kind of imagination. But I imagine them encouraging one another and stirring faith in one another to pray. I love praying with other people. I pray my best prayers. I have the biggest faith when your faith is inspiring my faith. So let's be a people who are encouraging one another in community to do that. I'm going to jump on to to this wonderful bit because this has to be one of the most incredible verses in the whole of Scripture. Okay, your prayers are powerful and effective. Okay, verse 16, it says this. And then verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human just like you or me. So that means that Elijah is just like you or me. That's what it means. He's not different to us. You know, if you're comparing yourself to Jesus, you've always got a bit of an excuse because he's kind of God, isn't he? But he's kind of man. But he's... So you've got that excuse. But Elijah, you don't really have that. Uh, Elijah is a human just like you or me. Has anyone read through Elijah's, like just this, a couple of chapters, 19 to tw- 1 Kings 19 to 20? It does go on, but those are the punchy ones. In those chapters, what, what happens? Well, it tells us here, he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Who's got that anointing? Because we need it today, like in Manchester. <laughs> Lord. It didn't rain for three and a half years. The physical world changed because of his prayers. That's incredible. His prayer, he's just like us. Do you believe that? He prayed and someone came back to life. A son had died and he came back to life. Do you believe that you can pray for the dead to be raised or even the sick to be healed? He prayed and there's provision. There's provision for himself. He prayed and ravens came and gave him bread and meat. He had a water. God provided for him through his prayer provision. He provided for other people. There was an old widow who, who had run out of oil and flour, and he said, bake me some bread, and she said, no, it's my last one. Oh, she didn't say no, she said yes, actually. It's, but it is my last one, that is quite different. And he said, it's not gonna run out. And for the next few years, flour and oil kept coming in this little pot. Provision comes through our prayer. Elijah was a person just like you, and he saw provision in miraculous ways, we need that. That's less of a joke than the rain. We need it in our nation right now. The presence of God came in a way like no other. He heard God's voice in a whisper coming close, drawing near. That's beautiful, isn't it? We can expect that as we pray. The voice of the Lord to draw near. The most famous one is probably when he called fire down from heaven. This is pretty awesome, isn't it? He prayed and fire came and burnt something completely up. Wow, wouldn't you love that? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Imagine. 
And there's a verse just after it which says this, 1 Kings 18 verse 39, it says this, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Elijah was witnessing at a time when the nation was far from God, one of the many times when the nation of Israel was far from God. And yet this sign brought all of Israel down on its face saying the Lord is good. How much do we need that in our nation right now? We need the revival, the power of God to come. Are we believing that our prayers could bring about revival? Are we believing for the big things? Are we praying into the big things that we need? In January, Colin uh, has organized us people to meet in Manchester Town Hall. Oh no, it's not Manchester, it's the Methodist Central Hall. Every lunchtime, Monday to Friday for an hour, 12 till one. Are you going to be there? He wants to pray for revival. He feels stirred that we should be praying for revival. Are we going to gather to that? Are we going to pray? Are we going to believe that God is going to do something big through that time? As a church, I think we're going to do 24 hours of prayer as well early on in January. Are we going to gather to that? Are we going to believe that as we pray, things will change? God is good. Can I pray? Because it talks about faith, faith being a gift that we have. And faith in prayer. Can I just pray for each one of us now that God would stir faith within us? Lord Jesus, I, I thank you that you're alive in this place. I thank you that you're active. I thank you that you're living. I thank you that you're powerful and awesome, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would stir us now, King Jesus. Stir the faith within us to believe that you want us to connect with you, Lord Jesus, and that you will use our prayers powerfully, Lord. I pray that you would awaken us, Lord Jesus to the power of prayer. Awaken us, King Jesus, that you want to work through our prayers, Lord. Awaken us, King Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm I'm going to carry on because these chapters talk about quite a lot. They talk about the, the power of healing that comes. Do you know that God saves through prayer? The work of salvation comes in through prayer. These chapters can be a little bit confusing because it goes from one moment he's talking about physical healing and then the next minute he's talking about being forgiven of sins and then, you know, it chops and changes between the two. Do you know that salvation is not just a complete work? Salvation is a work. You can read it in scripture. It has been completed. You are saved. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe his death and resurrection, you have eternal life. You have salvation in him. But the scripture also talks about salvation being an ongoing work. I am being saved. It's it's an ongoing thing. And then it also talks about I will be saved in the future. So salvation is a work that is done, a work that is being done, and a work that will be done in the future. He's a redeemer that loves to redeem us. And he doesn't just redeem us spiritually. He loves to redeem the whole person. He has begun a good work in you and he will see it through to completion. He is working within you. And that's why I think it goes between physical, spiritual, physical, spiritual in this. Because actually we we might, you know, if I'm poorly, I will go to the doctor If I'm poorly in my head, I'll go to a psychiatrist. If I'm poorly spiritually, I'll go to a priest. But 
originally, in this time, they wouldn't have had that. They'd have just gone to the priest. Now, this is not telling you not to do that. Please, we are blessed with great medics. Thanks, Josh. And whoever else is a medic, I don't know. We're blessed with that. We're in a great place for that. But actually, are we believing that prayer as well transforms our whole being? One of the words translated is sozo in verse 15. It says that it will make the person well, or in some translations, it will save the person. The word sozo is a complete work talking about the body, the mind, the soul. It talks about God coming in and transforming the whole person, all of us. God is working on us. He's began that good work, and he's going to see it through to completion. I read this book um, by... Richard Foster, and this is a quote about healing prayer. Healing prayer is part of the normal Christian life. It should not be elevated above any other ministry in the community of faith, nor should it be undervalued. Rather, it should be kept in its proper balance. It is simply a normal aspect of what it means to live under the reign of God. It's a normal aspect praying for people to get well. Praying for physical healing is a normal aspect of the reign of God, coming under his reign. And then he carries on. This should not surprise us, for it is a clear recognition of the incarnational nature of our faith. We're about to celebrate the incarnation, aren't we? Jesus coming down. But he's incarnate, he's with us. God cares as much about the body as he does the soul, as much about the emotions as he does the spirit. The redemption that is in Jesus is total, involving every aspect of the person, the body, the soul, the will, the mind, the emotions and the spirit. God wants us to be totally whole. Salvation is about wholeness. And when we pray for one another, we can expect the wholeness of God to come. He wants to transform our emotions. He wants to transform our thought life. He wants to transform our physical bodies. He wants to transform our spirituality. He wants to awaken us to who he is. Now, one of the dangers here is is that we start believing that that person's not well. It's probably because of sin. Do we ever make that link or connection? I think we probably do it less in the UK than we would have because of the separation of things. But we, because of James connecting the physical and the emotional, and sometimes you can read these verses and think, okay, illness maybe is all linked to, to unforgiven sin or this or that. And I think it can be, but we need to be a careful people not to point fingers, not to accuse, not to judge. Actually, John, in John 9, verse 3, there's a, a, bar, a guy who's blind and Jesus is coming up. Um, and the, the disciples say, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he's blind from birth? And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. This has happened so that the glory of God may be revealed. And actually then the Pharisees later on in that chapter bring it back to a place of judgment and say, oh, this man's a sinner. He can't be this. He can't be that. So actually it's the religious spirit in us that then starts to accuse people of sin when it's all just maybe could be physical. But at the same time, we can know that some physical ailments can be caused by sin. 
Actually, when we hold unforgiveness in our bodies, when we don't confess and forgive people, the other week Mary prayed out a glorious prayer of forgiveness for the person who, who killed your, your nephew. And in that moment, the glory of the Lord was in this room. The forgiveness of the Lord flowed in this place. We need to be a people who are forgiving people because it can lead to physical ailments as well as spiritual ailments if we're not living in that place of forgiveness. And it was a wonderful example of the flow of the Spirit. I want to share a little story. This is the last thing that I'm going to talk about. Sometimes my faith is little. In, in, John, in James here, it says the prayer of faith. Sometimes my faith is little. And I was going to preach on healing back in my old church. And I thought, well, I've not prayed for anyone to be healed for a really long time. I don't remember the last time I did that. Probably because my faith was little. And I wasn't believing for the big things that I'm talking about today. And so I decided that whoever came into my office that week, I was going to pray for. It's not as radical as you think. I worked for a church. Okay? Like people expect it from people. But I'd have meetings with people from the council and all sorts. And so it was slightly out there. But, but this guy came into the office. I prayed for him. He had a bad back. I thought nothing happened. He left. And that was it. I then preached on healing. I think the preach went okay. People seemed to respond and get prayed for. Hallelujah. On the Tuesday morning, we had a staff team meeting and I was moaning. I was moaning. I was like, I just don't think that's the gift God's given me to pray for healing, actually. I think God might gift this person this, this person this. That's what it says in Corinthians. We each have different gifts. Maybe, maybe it's not my gift to pray for healing. And we were having this conversation probably for about half an hour. And I kid you not. We were drawing near to half an hour of this conversation when my, the guy who led the church was trying to encourage me. Like, Actually, no, you should keep on praying. Just keep on praying for people. You'll see God do things. This guy walks through the door, a guy who oversaw the um, homeless shelter that we ran, non-Christian guy, had a Catholic background, not church, not a, not a believer, not alive, not born again, came in and he said, I just, I just felt like I had to come and share this with you. You, you prayed for my back last week and I couldn't get out of bed. And you prayed and the next day I could get out of bed without any pain. I, I had just been moaning, literally. I had literally been moaning that God does not use my prayers. And this guy, God brings him through the door at the right time. Now, that became a mockery of me for the next few weeks. But I share it because actually we might have little faith in this room right now. But the faith is in God. And he's unchanging. And he's all-powerful. And he wants to save us. He wants to heal us. He wants to restore us.